We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, week three, DraftKings picks and preview. If you out there want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, go to the description of this video or podcast and you will find the link to get into the week three Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League on DraftKings, $15 to play, three max entry, no rake. So there's over $60,000 of rake-free guaranteed money. That is legit the best tournament on DraftKings. You can't win a million bucks, but you can still win substantial bucks, and there's just more money to go around for everyone who's entered. And if we don't fill it, that means they're going to make it smaller, which would be the worst news possible because they're legitimately just hosting a tournament for all of us to play with no commission on it. You're not going to find that anywhere else. So hit the description, Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. Enter up to three times. I play three lineups. I'm awful. I'm dead money, so it's better than no rake. It's it's no rake plus $45 is the way you really need to look at it. And maybe you can get an entry by getting into one of the draws for 20 DK dollars. Do that by smashing the like button for the episode, leaving your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and telling me who your favorite sub-$6,000 running back play is for the main slate. Because that's what we're talking about on the show. The main slate, Sunday only, minus the Sunday night game. Early afternoon main slate. That's what we're talking about on this show. 
show. Other ways to get into draws for 20 DK bucks? Go subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience Atio podcast, download the episodes, rate the show five stars, leave your DraftKings handle, and just say something nice about the show. I like reading nice things about myself. And boom, you'll be in a draw for 20 DK bucks as well. As you will if you do the comments on my Instagram page, at the PME. Follow along and then just heart one of the football stuff that comes up and then comment with your DK handle. Boom, you're good to go on that as well. Three ways to get into the draw for 20 DK bucks from this show. So I suggest you go do that if you like free money. Uh, the other things too, let's see, I'm running through that. I'm live Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel. And the show will be up at 10.30 a.m. Uh, on the iTunes feed if you want your Sunday recap, getting you ready for the games. We'll be talking DK, gambling, fantasy, whatever. And the live viewer chat goes goes from 10.30 to 11 o'clock. That is not a part of the audio feed. You actually have to be in the chat room to experience that. Cust is there. You can ask him stupid questions, and maybe he'll have some sort of weird answer. Anyway, that's when everything goes. The winners will be announced live on Monday's show, 1 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel. I think I got that all covered. Joining me today, the man, the myth, the legend, Hulkamania, Joe Hulka. What's going on? What's up, Pat? It's been a while since we talked some football. I, I think like first off, I, I just have to give you like some sort of apology. I think the last time I was on your show was like early last year during NFL and I was just throwing out all the hate on Josh Allen. So uh, I'm willing to take the L on that one, I think. Uh, you and the rest of the world, Joe, except for me. Hey, I played him in week one and it worked out uh, pretty well. So I think I'm over that finally. Yeah, a lot of people are just finding out that he's actually just what everyone thought the Cam Newton was going to be. Oh, it's just everything you want for a fantasy quarterback. He runs and he throws deep. That's like literally all there is, right? Also, he turns the ball over, keeping his team in games where he has to throw as well. And that's an overlooked part of this is his turnover ability. I mean, that's minus one. Sure. If he throws a pick, but then the other team scores, then he has to go bomb it all again. It's great. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but that's just another one, I guess, in uh, the Pat Mayo column for the Josh Allen. I think you were honestly on that before a lot of people. I'm, act- I'm kind of being, uh, I guess, uh, a little bit serious when I say that. Yeah, well, I mean, as I mean, producer Paul behind the camera, big Bills fan will tell you is that a lot of these uh, analytics only guys are eating their words on Josh Allen so far through the 2019 season. You know, their algorithm doesn't measure heart and craziness and upside now, does it, Joe? We got to figure out a way to quantify that, I think, help guys like me out. All right. So tell everyone about your process, because I think it's really interesting. You play one really high stakes lineup every single week in a single entry, you know, Boku dollars behind it, but you're committing to these one lineups because a lot of people out here just play the one lineup. Now they do something silly, like enter that into the millionaire maker. I get that. And I've, I do it myself. I'm not going to lie. I'm one of these people. Uh, I just know my odds are a lot lower than I think people think they are to win a million bucks. But the way that you do it, entering these single entries, higher stakes, you shrink down the field and give yourself a better chance to win. But the process is still the same of narrowing down one tournament lineup to play. How do you go about that every single week? Yeah, this is my thir- third year doing it, actually. So I think that just approaching these smaller field GPPs has just been the best for me personally. I- I'm not really trying to enter a bunch of lineups in the Million Maker, like you said, and beat hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, I'm playing these small fields, not even necessarily the high stakes side of it. It's just that I'm playing against 100 or less people most weeks. So it really just turns into uh, a leverage type position where I'm trying to play what I think are the best plays first and then make a few like kind of small pivots, whether it's a 
a, a unique correlation or just a couple lower owned wide receivers. So you can approach it like that. But in a lot of ways, I, I approach it to like a cash cash game with upside. Like last week, even the, I know it was kind of a weird week overall, but the, the cash line in double ups was actually only like six points behind the cash line in this GPP. So it's worked for me. Um, I, I do think that just playing one lineup uh there's a lot of variance there as well right but as well as as far as like the the season overall when i'm right i really want to be right um so i think that the more you spread out at times you're kind of just like hedging yourself into mediocrity at times so is it usually single entries that you end up targeting or do you even go to the three or five max potentially knowing that people can't just jam 150 lineups in I will say that I put every lineup in the Millie Maker that I ever make, pretty much, uh, just because I just because, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 just can't, I can't handle it. I can't handle not having that in there. I've actually uh, had a close call once, um, and it was actually a playoff week. I had it um, not in the biggest Wildcat. Would have won the biggest Wildcat. Won the small one. So I said after that I would never make that mistake again. So I play, yeah, I play the fifteen hundred, and then I play like everything like a hundred and down or something like that. Yeah, I think that there, there's two really good ones. I think the $100 single entry is really good, but like instead of investing 10 lineups into the Millionaire Maker, even just playing one in like the 153 max that they have this week, there's a there's 1,111 people in it. And like it still has a substantial payout uh, for first prize. The payout structure is actually a lot more generous as well. Like that's because I've had a really poor two weeks thanks to... Uh, Sony Michelle not getting his touchdown uh, that he actually scored counted for him and the Titans deciding to throw to Quisenberry or whatever the hell that guy's name was instead of handing it off to Derrick Henry. But hey, these are the breaks that come along with playing on DraftKings and playing NFL DraftKings that I really want to rework my approach because I think that playing these giant, giant GPPs, you're going to lose probably every single week. Maybe the whole key, and Al Smith has always told this to me, like, you know, if you can hit big in one of those tournaments once every three years, like, you're good for 10 years. And that's the whole goal of playing that. Like, I still like to pound a whole bunch. Like, I try to get out almost like I do in golf, where I like building lineups. Actively building lineups is my favorite thing to do. But I can't narrow it down like you do and do, like, one single entry and be like, well, I want to have a piece of that guy, and I want to have a piece of that guy. And I think that really goes, I think it's just very common amongst a lot of people. So now I just decided instead of doing it in the millionaire maker i'll just do it in the three dollars it's gonna cost me a whole lot less yeah i started building i mean i still build a ton of lineups every sunday morning the narrowing it down process uh, sometimes goes better than others uh like last week i I was in between like a 2v2 um ended up just going the wrong direction right i went with a a watson and fuller stack mixed some stuff around had a had a lamar miller to uh, mark andrew stack at one point Uh, but i feel like everyone's got those stories every week right so i mean it literally um sometimes you choose right sometimes you choose wrong but i love that mindset from al just try and win everything one week i will say too that this is a an approach where you can lose for an extended period of time Uh, i had a really tough stretch the end of last season Thankfully, I had probably the best start I've ever had in DFS, but definitely gave a lot of those profits back from about week 10 on last year. Yeah, and then you have to figure out where you want to allocate your money. Like now that gambling is legalized in a lot of spots, like do you want to invest all that into daily fantasy? Maybe you're better at picking props. Maybe you're better at betting spreads or betting money lines. You just go to DK Sportsbook, and then you have to start like allocating your money that way. And I found that I'm better at betting on football than I am playing DraftKings. Like of daily fantasy DraftKings, I'm better at betting on DK Sportsbook. <laughs> I mean, that's half the battle is just figuring out what you're good at and what you're not very good at. Right. Like I, I, I find that the more lineups I play, I, I just, I, I tend to get a little bit too spread out and then I end up with like a little bit of everything. And maybe that's part of my game that I needed to just improve, but I've just always had so much more success focusing on this tournament. Cause I, I have a pretty good feel for 
what the ownership is going to be like versus something like the Millie Maker. So like in week one, I actually thought that San Francisco was going to be pretty chalky at the higher stakes. It ended up being about 22% in that tournament. There were like four in the Millie. Uh, it actually ended up hurting me though, because I ended up not playing them for that reason. Uh, but that's just the kind of things you got to know the contest that you're in and know who your opponents are. Well, I thought it was interesting what you said is that you can play almost like a modified cash lineup and there's so much talk. And even on my Friday show, we go over everything about you know, who's going to be the highest owned guy. And then do you play that guy or not? I mean, the move is just play the best players that tends to work out pretty well, regardless of ownership. But like when you talk about like a correlated stack that maybe no one has or a pivot in this spot or that spot, that's all it really takes, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think I have a little bit of a different approach as well. Um, as far as like a small field, it doesn't take a lot to get to the top compared to some of these other ones. So I tend to take less chances at running back. I play almost all of the, the high volume running backs. If it's jamming all three and then kind of figure it out from there um, with some cheaper wide receivers with upside, that's how I've had the most success. But building what I think is optimal first. And then if I end up on something like in week one, Josh Allen to John Brown, getting him at five uh, sub 5% ownership, but still having some rushing equity of the quarterback, all of that, that's where I'm trying to get my upside. I'm really not getting cute at things like, uh, I like running back basically ever. Yeah, that's probably the most sensible move. If you can have a direct arrow pointed to volume equals fantasy points, that is the one position where it's not going to work out every single time, obviously. But if there is one position that can remain somewhat fluid or somewhat static, Static, fluid, no, I'm way off on this one. If it just remains <laughs> constant, it is the work that the workhorse running back gets. And I, I always, like, you know, there's the Chris Thompson effect of this. Like, oh, is this going to be the game where he gets nine catches and maybe he breaks one? He's only, like, 3700 bucks. Like, I get the appeal of doing that, and I do it myself. But if you just pay up for two studs or even go through, um, use the use three studs two in your two running back spots one in your flex like the chances it seems of a three thousand dollar receiver outscoring deandre hopkins is much higher than a three thousand dollar running back outscoring ezekiel elliott yeah when we get into those type of guys like i just i don't really play those guys like ever i think that their their floors are usually fine but where's their ceiling really like even josh jacobs last week like i i want to see the volume first from a guy like that i i think the biggest or the most overused term in our entire industry is like a free square at running back. Like, I just think you're giving up so much opportunity cost. Like these running back slots are, are so valuable on DraftKings that that's where I want to spend salary. Cause that's the easiest spot to project. Like it's, it's pretty simple with that. And I guess one thing I'll, I'll leave it on too, that I, I think that people don't do enough of that really helps when you're only playing one lineup is late swap. Right. So I, I think that that's one thing that I've really done a lot better at um, over the years is just getting off my original lineup. If I'm behind, Maybe I say on it if I'm doing well, but like you got to give yourself a chance. Like I'm, I'm trying to win. I'm not trying. If you just play to cash these tournaments, you will not be a winning player on draft games. You just won't like you'll, you'll lose to rake. You'll lose to these 1.5 X multipliers for min caches or whatever it is like over the long term. And I guess it is a small sample in NFL. You have to try and win these tournaments or you're not going to have a successful year in my opinion. Yeah, e even if you know that you're basically dead after the early slate of games, but you do have the ability to late swap, that maybe you just hit on the one guy that no one has because you moved on to him, and that is the only possible route you have to winning any money that week. That if you just keep your lineup as is, you know that, 
Like, even if it was, let's say, last week, and like you had Josh Jacobs and that's all you had left, but you know that he's going to be owned in like 30% of lineups or 25 or whatever he ended up at. Yeah. And thinking to yourself, well, if Josh Jacobs has a good game, I'm not going to gain any ground on the field because everyone else has him anyway, and I'm already behind. I need to take him out and try something else because if Josh Jacobs busts, which he basically ended up doing him. He scored like 10 points, but it's not what you expected when you put it in your lineup. Uh, or, and then you switch to like Demarcus Robinson or something like that. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I've leaped like, you know, 35% of the field. And now I am cashing. So you can just take, you can dig yourself out of zero weeks by doing something like that. I talked about this with the Daily Roto guys, Mike and Drew, and you can find the description to that show, the strategy show in the description of this video or podcast. It has time codes. You can go to the late swap part and you can really dig into Drew is really keen on hammering down the actual process of figuring all this out and just Going with that, like, if you know you're going to lose, what's the what's the difference of taking the outrageous shot? If you're going to lose anyway, wouldn't you rather like, give yourself a 1% chance to do any better? Yeah, 1% well, is better than zero, right? Some some sharp guys over at Daily Roto. I just think it comes down to this time of year as well. We just think we know so much more than we actually know. So if something is relatively close as far as a, a ceiling projection for a wide receiver, but one guy is going to be three percent and the other guy is going to be 25 like I, I just at that point if you're behind you you can't play those guys that you're just going to be holding hands with the rest of the field you won't pass anyone uh like i mentioned the daily roto show that i did with those guys is in the description also uh, joe talks about ceiling projections they have those over at dailyroto.com leone actually runs on the ceiling and floor projections and how often they're going to get to their optimal score it's really cool to check out all the daily roto tools like the optimizer you can build your groups and everything if you want 10 percent off at daily roto go to dailyroto.com and at checkout use the promo code the pme get yourself 10% off. Uh, I mean, it's turned Davis into a winning player. So, I mean, that's about as good of a selling point as you could have. That's incredible. I actually love Davis. I think that people rag on him a little too much. He's actually come a long way. If you go back and listen to some of the Roto Grinders podcasts from back in the day, Davis actually is backing up a lot of what he says with data these days. I'm not, I think those daily Roto guys are starting to kind of wear off on him a little bit. Well, it's good news because he's one of the best guests you can actually have to come on a show. So shout out to Davis, better player, fantastic guest, good guy. Let's get into the week one slate. Running backs uh, is where you want to start off. You said they're easy to predict, so let's predict some. We got Saquon as the number one guy. He's 9,100. Zeke is 89. McCaffrey's 87. Kamara is 8,000. The down to $6,000 range starting at 78. You got Delvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, James Conner, the Terminator James Conner. And Aaron Jones at $6,100. Uh, Sony Michelle is also 6000 in a game where the Patriots are favored by Boku points. Uh, almost, they're favored by over three touchdowns against the Jets here. So, when we look at this and we're trying to predict volume, we know Berkeley's going to get his. I do actually think this matchup with Tampa Bay is a bit rougher for him on the ground. Uh, he'll still get his through the air because that's how they're probably going to do it, and with a rookie quarterback. But I can't actually trust the Giants to figure this out because with Vita Via and Indomitian Sue, we've seen through two weeks, Gurley was shut down, or not Gurley was shut down on the ground. The uh, San Francisco running backs were shut down on the ground. Then Christian McCaffrey was shut down on the ground in week two against him. You can pass all over Tampa Bay if you want to, but teams seem to be committed to running into this false front which i think the giants will actually end up doing so i'll probably be off barkley he can always overcome it because he's awesome my mind just goes straight to dalvin cook and austin eckler they're cheaper than the other guys and they're just volume hogs now yeah i, th I think i'm with you on saquon you would love to see his price come down just a little bit right like 9100 it's not to the point where you just can't play him based on his volume but like on the road, pretty low team total, like they're an underdog. Like you're going to see that pretty much all season. 
for the Giants. But like you said, the matchup couldn't be much worse there. Um, I, I think that he's probably fine. A guy that I'll have in my pool just to see what happens, but I doubt I end up there. Um, I'm definitely looking at Dalvin Cook. And I, I think people um, might get something that I said earlier wrong too. Just because a guy is in the mid-range doesn't mean he's one of these guys that I just don't play. I don't just play the highest price guys. I play the guys that I think are going to touch the ball the most and have the most upside in that way. So Dalvin Cook, this team, all they want to do is run. I, I was at the game uh, on week, in week one where they threw 10 passes. It was probably the worst game to be at that you could ever see personally. But, I mean, it was a lot of fun watching Dalvin Cook. I, I think that uh, against the Oakland team, it's a great spot, home favorite. Uh, it just really doesn't get much better for that. We know we know that they're going to involve him in their game plan no matter what. There's a, a really nice feeling of safety there. Uh, I, I love Austin Eckler as well, 7,200. Still a great price point for him based on his volume. I think there's probably some guys I prefer at the top end a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, that's coming from someone that didn't play Eckler in his final team the last two weeks. Had him in my pool until Sunday morning. Uh, just ended up going the James Conner route last week. So I guess that uh, didn't end so well for me. So week one, running backs who saw over 75% of their team's snap shares. McCaffrey, Barkley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Marlon Mack, Austin Eckler, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, and Elvin Kamara. Uh, as it turns out, Christian McCaffrey has yet to leave the field so far this year. He's played 100% of the Panthers' snaps. Now, we don't know the situation as we speak right now as it pertains to Cam Newton, whether or not that he's going to play. Either he's going to play injured or he's going to sit against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are a team that have just stacked the box the entire year. They did it against the Lions. They did it against the Ravens and, you know, with different results. It worked against the Lions. And when they did it against Lamar Jackson, he just got to the outside and ran all around them. So, you know, whether it's effective or not, it is what they're doing, uh, if nothing else. That part we know. In week two, when we look at who touched the ball, like over 75% of the time, it's a very small list. It's McCaffrey, it's Fournette, it's Austin Eckler, and it's Saquon Barkley. Like, that's basically it. Yeah, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, spoiler alert, he's one of my top guys that I'm looking at pretty much every week just because how much he touches the ball. I actually am super interested in him this week. I think we're going to play guys against Arizona constantly. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of plays. It hurts me to say that as a Cardinals fan, but it's an amazing spot. Uh, I mean, I have projected for the most touches of the entire week. One thing that I really like uh, is that the, the spread is so tight in this game. They are on the road, but um, I, I do think that there's a chance that McCaffrey gets a lot of work um, in comparison to last week, I'm not scared off by that performance whatsoever. Uh, I think McCaffrey at 8,700. I, I definitely prefer him um, if we're talking about him versus Saquon. I think Dalvin is a nice price discount. I, I don't think it's it's egregious to, to play both of those guys and try and see what you can build around those two. Would you go McCaffrey over Elliott, too, in this spot? Because you can make the case two ways. You can be like, oh, well, this is a game where Dallas can play its backups because they'll be up by so much against Miami. But then you have to think, well, how did Dallas get up by so much in this game? Was it three Ezekiel Elliott touchdowns? Because if he scores three touchdowns, I don't care that he doesn't play the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, I actually I love the Dallas offense this year in general just because of how much different uh, kind of that play calling they have in general. I, I think that the, the Zeke thing is interesting. I think he'll probably come in a higher ownership than Christian McCaffrey. Not that we really care a ton about ownership at, at running back anyway, but yeah, you're probably going to have to choose two of those three Zeke as a massive home favorite, that team total of 34. Or so points already. Uh, it, it's really tough to get away from Zeke. I mean, if you think he's not going to play 
the fourth quarter, then maybe. But I think you can definitely project him for still his his usual 22, 25 touches, something like that. So um, starting with Zeke and Dalvin is definitely going to be a popular route as well. Yeah, Zeke Zeke and Dalvin is going to be somewhat popular. It appears like no one is going to use Christian or uh, Elvin Kamara this week. And I'm probably on board with that. But then I'm going to be sitting there be like, oh, he scored 40 points. Fantastic. Yeah, you're always looking for these these spots where it's just like the post-hype week, right? Everyone wanted to play him last week, uh, but it, it's interesting. I, I don't know how much I love this Teddy Bridgewater-led offense. Like, he's never a guy that I was super impressed with. He actually doesn't throw to his running backs a ton as a whole anyway. Um, hopefully, that's more of a scheme thing for New Orleans. But uh, Seattle's going to get a little bit of pressure, you would think. Uh, but So maybe that leads to a few more catches for Kamara. Um, I don't know. I guess I hate the team total there. It's under 20 points right now, at least the, the book that I'm looking at. I guess think there's better volume situations to attack. But from a pure GPP perspective, like everyone's jumping off Kamara this week. So it makes some sense. Yeah, I, it probably won't be for me, especially if I'm only going to play like three lineups or something like that. I think I'd just rather go with McCaffrey. But I think I might go with my initial gut call of thinking, you, you know, Delvin Cook, Austin Eckler. That way I'm not paying supreme top price for everyone. And I feel good. I don't feel good about it, about fading Zeke because I I'm just going to play Devin Devin Smith everywhere uh, for the cheapest price possible. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just some great options in that that game in general now that we don't have Gallup there too. So I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm leading more towards a Zeke fade, which is a scary thing to say at this point of the week. Like you could easily see him. I think the one time I faded Zeke when he was chalk uh last year was the the game where he had that like 89-yard reception touchdown. <laughs> so um you heard it here first. That's going to happen if I don't play him. Uh, so Cook, Eckler, for me, the best options of these top 10. The only other one that I think gets into this mix, people will say David Johnson. That's not really for me. It's Le'Veon Bell. He caught, what, 11 passes on Monday night? <laughs> it, it's crazy that you said that because we're talking about all these guys, and I have Le'Veon actually projected for the second most touches at the position, and I just skipped right over him. I'm like, I have like this weird mental block with Le'Veon Bell for some for some reason. But he might get the most touches, but how valuable are these touches going to be, I guess, is the case. Like, what is the upside for Bell in this matchup? Like, can he find his way to the end zone? Or possibly, I mean, if you're going to win a GPP, can he find his way to the end zone twice in this game? And is the offense for the Jets with Luke Falk going to look a little bit different than it did when he was just kind of thrown into the mix on Monday night? Like, it seemed like the only the only play that he knew was throw to Le'Veon Bell. Maybe he knows more this time around. Maybe he doesn't, and that would be good for Le'Veon Bell. Quality of touches is definitely a thing. That was like my big argument in favor of some of these other backs in that top tier uh, over Saquon in season long when everyone was kind of touting Saquon as the number one overall pick. I was like, let's let's think about this for a second. And Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, these guys are are seeing better touches. And, and I, I think that's actually a thing when we're kind of trying to split hairs here. Um, so Le'Veon, like I don't really play running backs that are um, this much of underdogs, obviously, but this team total is so low that, um, at 7K, it's pretty enticing based on volume alone, but like his ceiling is probably pretty low compared to these other guys. Uh, yeah. So again, that's why. Again, so Eckler and Cook is basically what I've decided on here. And this next tier of guys below 6,000, unless you have some sort of large affinity for Sony Michelle as a giant favorite, like the touchdown equity equity with him, especially if Damian Harris continues to be a healthy scratch, is just super duper high. Yeah, I think everyone wants to talk about everyone's waiting for that three touchdown performance from Sony Michelle, right? But the problem is his, the way his usage is, if he doesn't, it, he, he has to hit the bonus and he has to get multiple touchdowns for you really have a ceiling game from this guy. So if you're just going to chase that all year and when the Patriots are favored, you're going to end up playing him every week and really hate yourself on DraftKings. So 
Um, I'm not really a Sony guy. Um, I, I tip to typically kind of avoid this range of running backs um, unless it's something where we get a supreme discount on someone that's going to touch the ball a ton. Um, I, I'm pretty scared of this New England running back situation in general. Again, probably a bias I should get over. Uh, but if you're playing kind of a single entry three max type approach, like I, he's rarely even in my pool. So from all the guys who are $6,000 to $4,000 at running back, the ones that really interest me, one is Chris Carson. Marlon Mack interests me. Josh Jacobs, again, does you know pique my fancy a little bit because it, that's all going to depend on his health situation. Damian Williams, and I can't believe I'm saying – actually, I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm, I'm always play him, is Peyton Barber. <laughs> Peyton Barber, yeah. I, I think if we've already reached that point, uh, I think you have your answer on guys that I would play and guys I wouldn't play. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that the one that I think is interesting, I do prefer Chris Carson to Sony Michelle because, I mean, there's – there's still a guy that has been seeing more uses in the passing game than we've ever seen before. So I love that. But also like we know Seattle wants to run the game script should be good home favorites uh, that pretty high team total there for Seattle as well. So I think Carson at 5,900 is, is the guy in this range that I probably prefer. I, I think Marlon Max a really good call. He's someone that I've again, been kind of skipping over a little bit, but I've got him at just over 22 touches right now. Um, 5,800, that's a great value, especially against this Atlanta team that will give up some passes. So hopefully we get a few more of those than we normally do for Mac. If we get four or five targets in the passing game, Mac could look like a screaming value. Yeah, I, it's, it's if he gets involved in the passing game, because even last week they mixed in Jordan Wilkins a little bit just to take away a few carries from Mac. And you'd always think that Naheem Hines is the guy that they do want to throw to out of the backfield. But Atlanta is very susceptible to quick running backs and just running backs overall that Mac does set up pretty nicely here. And you know that out of the running backs on Indianapolis, that he's the one who's going to touch the ball if they do try to run inside the 10-yard line. So that's always a really nice upside. Carson, I like a little because people are so down on him after the fumble last week he got sent to the bench in favor of Rashad Penny and then we see CJ Pro sites coming and played the two minute drill for the Seahawks that I think a lot of people will just be off of him here and I have no super duper confidence that he's going to play 75% of the snaps control the goal line and do all the things you would want from Chris Carson but that potential is there for him and people will be off of him so he's a low ownership potential high volume guy with substantial upside in this matchup that I think that could be a spot where I'd be willing to take a risk. Yeah, I think his range of outcomes is a little bit larger than someone like Sonny Michelle, right? Because we've already seen him catch nine balls this year. Like he's only had 15 attempts on the ground in both games. But I, I do think that if you're looking for some lower ownership, I mean, he's popping as a value for me, for sure. He's kind of in that same range as as Aaron Jones, um, home favorites against Denver. I think that's an interesting spot as well. I, I guess like I hate going to these situations where I, I can't, I don't feel great about projecting where they're going to be. Right. So I think at the running back position, you really just want to try and avoid these situations where we're somewhat uncertain. Like I guess I would rather not pay for a guy that he could easily get 15 touches or he could get 28 touches. Like we have no idea. I guess we'd rather play the guys that I know are going to touch the ball a lot. Yeah. Just looking at the early uh, DVOA rush defense so far on the season, Tampa Bay is actually first. Then it's the Eagles. Then New England, Oakland, and Chicago. Minnesota's high up there, too. So I guess we have to, unless you think that Josh Jacobs was only not involved in the passing game last week because he had tweaked his groin and they were keeping him out. But if he's not going to catch, catch passes, he falls into that Sony Michelle bucket. Like, 
No one has more carries inside the 20-yard line so far this year than Josh Jacobs through two games. He, like, missed half of a game. Uh, so you know that when they get down there that they're going to try to run the ball with him, which is great for his upside uh, as it pertains to touchdowns. But if it's nothing like that, his range of outcomes just becomes so much larger and against a tougher defense in Minnesota in a game where they're over a, they're over a touchdown underdogs. It doesn't really spell great news for him. Yeah, if you're looking for leverage, like everyone's going to kind of jump off that train from last week. But if most people are just going to play Dalvin Cook, uh, it's really tough to play two running backs in a game that we expect to be pretty low pace anyway. Um, in Minnesota, like I, I really try extremely hard not to worry about matchups in general, especially this time of year. Uh, but Minnesota has shown over the last couple of years that at home their defense has been pretty close to elite at, at stopping the run. I've, I have play volume con concerns for sure. Um, yeah, Jacobs is probably a guy that would be only in large field for me. Yeah, and Damian Williams would fall into that mix for me as well at $5,200. If he ends up playing, he has the knee bruise, but he's still going to split with McCoy. Somehow, if both of those guys sit, you know, Dar Darwin Thompson would be the guy that you'd want to stick in, I would think. But looking at the best teams against the run, or the worst teams against the run so far through two weeks, and like you said, small sample, this could be opponent-driven, could be game-flow-driven. It's hard to take it with, you know, too much of a grain of salt but new orleans is the worst the Bengals are second indy the redskins and the jacksonville jaguars again if you're playing showdown on thursday you get fire up some derrick henry in this matchup but then it's like buffalo uh the the chargers sorry uh the giants uh the dolphins and the carolina panthers so that kind of brings me back to if we're going on volume alone. Peyton Barber does become somewhat, I don't want to say interesting because he's not good, but if he's just going to touch the ball 20 times, he's a pretty cheap price if that's where you're going for your savings. Mixon is one in this range that I think I would go to, but I'm still worried about his ankle that when I talked to Dr. Jesse Morris last Friday on the show, it's just like he's not going to be 100% for another few weeks if he continues to play. So that worries me in that situation. So I'll pass on him. But the other teams that kind of popped up on that list, Carlos Hyde, if they can keep this game close, is probably going to end up seeing like 20 or so touches he becomes kind of like the poor man's josh jacob in the situation mm -hmm. but he comes along with a better price tag and the other one i can't believe i'm saying this if devin singletary, gonna be. if devin singletary is banged up like frank gore is gonna touch the ball in a great matchup i was just waiting for the frank gore comment i, I knew that was coming but yeah like i mean in this matchup if, if you do really want to skew towards what's happened so far this season frank gore 4500 against cincinnati is a pretty decent size home favorite yeah i mean Coaches trust him. Like you hear, you hear the same things about Frank Gore all the time. Like, am I going to play him? Absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, I think he's probably in play. If you want to shoot for upside from a cheap-ish receiver and take a guy who's playing more than his team's more than half of his team snaps, he isn't basically a pure committee. But Philip Lindsay's a better pass catcher than Royce Freeman. He will be used more in the passing game. They're seven and a half point favorites at Green Bay against a pretty good defense. But if that's the only play they have is screen passes to Philip Lindsay, we know that he has enough speed that he only needs to break a big one for his price tag in the low four thousand dollar area. I'd be worried about it because you can't guarantee volume with him. Him. but I do think it's a very interesting spot for a guy that you know broke slates last year yeah I think I think that's the direction you want to go if you're going to kind of go in this range you want to shoot for someone that has upside to break a big play I don't think Frank Gore is that guy uh Philip Lindsay is actually popping for a pretty as a pretty decent value for me right now probably because of what you just said uh, it, it's possible that they end up getting a little bit more involved than normal uh the Green Bay team has just got shredded by Dalvin Cook, right? So I, I think that he's in play if you want to kind of mess around in that area of the running back tier. Yeah, I think, yeah, for the upside play, GPP-wise from the 4K range, Philip Lindsay would likely be my guy. Is there anyone below $4,000 that you see at all? 
Yeah, um, this is like a, a new thing for me going this far down. Uh, but I, I think that if you wanted to go even a little bit further, like take a flyer on someone like Miles Sanders at 3,900, at least he has probably a little bit of ceiling depending on how they're going to use him. But yeah, I'm probably not going to go there. Yeah, I think the lowest I'd go is Philip Lindsay, and i try to construct a way not to have to do that. But if you do go digging down, like I said, he could be six points, but it could be 36 points as well. And that's hard to really make a case for any of the other guys in this range to be to have that sort of upside outcome. They're like generally like, well, what's Justin Jackson's upside for basically the same price? Like 20 points if he has the best game of his life? Yeah, and those are just uh, risks you don't have to take at this position. Let's let's take those risks at wide receiver and tight end. At least that's what my my uh, perspective is. At least. Well, let's go to tight end then. Let's take some risks. What is the strategy at tight end or at uh, wide receiver this week? Because when I'm looking at it, if we're talking about paying up for running backs, it means we can't go all the way to the top or have two of the very top end guys uh, when it comes down to it. So I look at a guy who has the most targets inside the 10 yard line of any team or any wide receiver so far this year and i might just go the old man route at wide receiver you got manny sanders uh sitting there at 4800 bucks and you have larry fitzgerald who's right around the same it's larry fitzgerald who leads in inside the 10 red zone or end zone target so far that if you go like larry you go emmanuel sanders you save some bucks your team is geriatric but hey no one likes to load up on old players so you know they're going to come in with like an ownership discount if nothing else they always do, right? I played Christian Kirk last week, but just staring Larry Fitzgerald in the face, I feel like every single week, like he's projected for his like six to seven catches or so. And he is just like drastically underpriced compared to other guys in that range. Like he's literally has a catch projection around guys like Devontae Adams and Kenny Galladay and, and T.Y. Hilton, but it, it's Larry Fitzgerald. He's 5,100 just because no one wants to play him. Uh, but yeah, uh, tight spread in this game. Again, if we, if we end up seeing um, some kind of fireworks in this Carolina game. He could be a guy that you bring back uh, some of your Christian McCaffrey uh, teams with. Do you think that Devin Smith at 3,400 bucks gets too popular because of the absence of Michael Gallup and the big play potential, or is he just a guy I'm plugging into basically every one of my lineups? I think people have already kind of been talking about that. He can just be inserted into kind of that exact same role. Uh, so I, I think that he's interesting at that point. If he, if any of those type of players where I think they're going to be these, these deep target type of guys reach like the 15, 20% mark, I, I rarely play them. I just will find a guy in that range uh, that I prefer more, but yeah, I mean, if he ends up not being popular, I, I think that he's like a really nice kind of, pay down uh option today or this week for sure i like Aguilar is thirty six hundred dollars too because it looks like jeffrey and deshaun jackson are both probably gonna miss multiple weeks at this point um is he the eagles guy to play because you could use matt collins and you could have that guy whose last name that i screw up every time i say it jj last name pat screws up maybe you can say it better than i can but when we think about like something like air yards from a week ago uh it was him who ended up with you know, the highest projection of air yards and now you're playing against the lions if he doesn't draw slay that could be a really nice opportunity yeah mac hollins is another one in that offense i guess you could go to if you really wanted to go super deep 3200 he's a guy that's popping from a an air yards perspective um in like the really cheap range but yeah i, I guess this is a spot where you probably just pick the lower own guy in that range just because we still don't know who it's going to be. That's going to kind of take over that role. Um, Deshaun Jackson was someone I was super high on in week one um, because he's one of those guys that does give you a lot of upside for kind of a cheaper price. I, I think someone else down there that we should definitely mention is, is DK Metcalf. Um, I think at 4,700, he's one of the best players on the board. He's actually top 10 in weighted opportunity rating. So that's one of my favorite metrics at the wide receiver position because it takes into account 
target depth. It takes into account target share. Uh, so I'm actually really interested in him against New Orleans this week. Uh, but at the kind of that cheaper range, yeah, I, I could see going to one of the Philly guys. I'm just not quite sure which guy it's going to be. Yeah, it's JJ Arzigo Whiteside is the guy that I'm actually there you go. talking yeah, about. Yeah, I didn't even I, want to attempt it, to be honest. I, I think I got it right. It's it's the C in the name. And just like, eh, is that it's a preseason hero, though. I feel like I should know that one. Yeah, and just with limited options, like, you know, Ertz is going to eat, but then you have to figure out where the rest is going to go. And I think that you can take advantage of the pass defense of Detroit outside of the guy that basically slay shadows the entire time. And I would have to think it would be Aguilar. Yeah, I mean, he he's someone that at least we have a sample of him having these ceiling games as well, uh, once trusts him. Um, so I, I think that he's probably the guy that's going to draw the most ownership, unless we get a little bit more clarity throughout the week. 3600 looks like an amazing price for a guy um, with that kind of team total at home. Um, I mean, his target share is, is pretty strong relative to what you can project for some of the other guys in that range. Well, let's talk about the very high-end guys then, because DeAndre Hopkins is in a nice spot. Devontae Adams is in a nice spot. A lot of these guys, because they're so good and in nice spots, is a place where potentially you would want to pay up. But you're saying do not pay up for the very top-end receivers. If you had to and like go to someone, let's say, above $6,000, would there actually would there be anyone above $7,000 that you think you would absolutely have to build around? Yeah, it's not that I don't like these guys. It's because I never have the salary to play them um, in kind of the tournaments that I'm in. But I, I think Keenan Allen at 7K is someone that's still super enticing. I mentioned weighted opportunity rating through two weeks. He's actually leading the entire slate in that. Uh, I think his projection is is pretty fair. I'm not sure if he has the ceiling of someone like DeAndre Hopkins or uh, I was going to say Michael Thomas, but it's really tough to see a ceiling game out of him with Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah, I, I think that for me, it would probably be Keenan Allen at 7K. Keenan Allen at 7K, he controlled the slot against the Texans where they're notoriously weak. I, I can get behind that. He catches two. Again, yeah, like you, you have to look at ceiling projections for this. If he ends up with like 11 catches, which is not inconceivable in this spot, especially with a lot of pressure, that's not going to lead to 250 yards, but it could be like you know 11 for 135, and maybe they end up using him in the red zone because everyone's just preoccupied with covering Mike Williams in that spot. I can see that. I'm with you that I like Keenan Allen the most. Above 6,000, though, I think my favorite overall guy it's between Sammy Watkins and Kenny Galladay are the two guys that I love here I, I think I have blinders for Sammy Watkins too because the play just felt so chasey after week one and they priced him up so aggressively so quickly but I mean the target share that he saw even last week was incredible right like he didn't end up having like a big game or anything like that but um, I, I'm warming up to the Sammy Watkins idea just because if he would have had uh, one of the games, if he would have had the game that everyone was thinking he might last week, like he'd probably be closing in on like that seven seventy five hundred range with some of these other guys, like 13 targets last week, like only 49 yards. Like that's a situation where you want to jump back on the train. Yeah, I think so too. And people will be just lining up to play Demarcus Robinson and me Cole hard man at cheaper mm -hmm. prices to get access to this offense. Watkins is clearly the guy that they're going to be targeting. Maybe now that we've seen it for a week that Baltimore's defense will adjust a little bit like, oh, maybe we need to cover these other guys. Maybe that's a good idea. We can't just double team Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey. So I like Watkins a lot, but Galladay against this Eagle, like this Eagles offense is banged up. We can talk about that a little bit and we did, but the pass rush is also super banged up and their secondary fucking sucks mm -hmm. yeah kenny galladay is like almost right at the top of my list uh for all the stats that i really value uh, as far as target share and seeing valuable targets so I i'm with you there are you just skipping over antonio brown at this point like i don't know what to do with him um he's always kind of there for me but can you just see him going absolutely nuts at some spot i i, 
I probably won't be there for it, but I think at some point it's going to happen, right? Yeah, no, I I completely agree. It won't be for me. I don't have the guts to make that kind of play, especially if I'm playing playing minimal lineups. And if I can get Keenan Allen, who I just I know the safety is higher with for a hundred dollars cheaper, or even Galladay for a thousand dollars cheaper, I might miss out on that overall upside of Antonio Brown, which we know comes. But there's like last week, was it a product of them forcing him the ball, or was it the product of Xavier Howard covering Josh Gordon, saying, "Hey, you're the wide receiver one. We're going to lock you down and make Tom Brady throw elsewhere." Maybe the Jets won't do. I mean, the Jets probably don't have the personnel to shut anyone down, but. I don't know. It it seems like a situation where people want this to happen so much that they could go broke chasing it, but they could be paid handsomely with huge dividends because we know for Antonio Brown at his peak, he's not a $7,100 player. He's a $9,000 player. I'm intrigued at least in a vacuum as like a leverage spot off of Sammy Watkins in that same range. Like if we're just looking purely at yards per route run, uh, like Antonio Brown's right at the top from that game that he played. So um, I'm interested, especially if Watkins becomes popular, but I I don't know if that's going to happen to be completely honest. Yeah, I can see Watkins people kind of pumping the brakes a little bit. They'll want access to that game, but they use Hollywood Brown instead. They'll use one of the cheaper Chiefs receivers, or if they pay up for one of the guys, it'll probably be Kelsey over Watkins here. So I like Watkins. I like Galladay, Keenan Allen. Those would be my three from above $6,000. The only other one is like a leverage play I might be able to get behind is Mike Evans is going to break out soon. That's going to happen. And it could very well be this week against a piss poor Giants defense and legit. No one's going to play him. He's one of my favorite plays of the entire week. Probably. I think that he's someone that if you're just looking at the stuff that matters, not just looking at fantasy points and that sort of thing, his target share really isn't that much different. And now Godwin's even more expensive on DraftKings, 6,600 for a guy that, yeah, I probably would love to get up to Keenan Allen at that point for 400 more, but but Mike Evans, like people forget how good this guy really is and how bad the Giants actually are. So um, I, I'm in on Mike Evans this week, especially if he's going to be super low on uh, in the f- entire five thousand dollar range. We can run down a lot of these guys like Hollywood Browns near the top. DJ Moore, who even with a gimpy cam continues just to post numbers every single week. Then you have uh, Tyrell Williams who's dealing with the hip pointer. John Brown, the guy that won you all the cash in week one. He's still a fantastic play. And I think that he's underpriced. But I don't know if him being underpriced at fifty five hundred dollars is as good of a value as Mike Evans being underpriced priced or Kenny Galladay being underpriced because I would probably have them rated a little bit higher I know that their upside's higher but then you got like the Ridleys the Demarcus Robinsons John Ross I've already talked about Larry Fitzgerald me cool hard man um Will Fuller Christian Kirk like game breaking slate guys that you know can do it strangely enough of all these guys I think Larry Fitz has the best floor and ceiling potential with his red zone opportunities but at $4,900 Will Fuller is going to have a giant game soon uh, Deshaun Watson Watson just needs to hook up with them on some of these deep passes, but like they're trying. (laughs) That would be par for the course because that's that's the stack I went with last week, right? So if if they just go completely nuclear this week, I I would not be shocked. Um, I I think that John Brown um, at 5,500 is still totally fine um, for kind of the the type of targets he's seeing. I'm I'm super interested in that against Cincinnati. Will Fuller is someone that I'm going to have to dig into a little bit this week, I think, because I, I need to get past what happened Last week, uh, I, I mean, he's got more upside than almost anyone in the entire league in that range for sure. Like, I mean, if we're, we're really talking about Larry Fitzgerald being super popular this week, which which could happen. Um, I mean, everyone's going to see these same things uh, and see uh, them playing against Carolina. I, I don't know. I, I think that Will Fuller is someone that we could easily go back to and feel pretty good about it. 
Uh, and Sanders at 48 in that range. They're the only ones that really get me going here. I, I guess DK Metcalf, DraftKings Metcalf, uh, would be a guy to look at as well, like you had mentioned before. But, you know, he's priced up a little bit. Um, if Sterling Shepard doesn't play and he's not practicing yet, maybe Benny Fowler against the Bucks. Like, he had all the targets last week, him and TJ Jones. Yeah, I was messing around with kind of those guys last week, trying to figure out if, if him, Cody Latimer were in play. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that it's it's a similar spot as like those Jets guys, right? Like, how do we like project these guys for a ceiling when their team total is always so low? Like, we know team total is extremely important at the wide receiver position. So um, like Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, like uh, like the guys you mentioned from the Giants. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that they're all they're all probably fine. I, I just good luck picking the right one. I don't think I'll be there. Yeah. And where there is value opened up in the three K range, like these 4,500 to 4,000, I don't see a huge difference between the guys that are $3,500 this week. Yeah. I mean, maybe Preston Williams, 3,700. I, I don't know. I guess I, I think that he's probably the only guy that's really going to be usable at this point in Miami. This is coming from someone that thought, Mike Gusecki was a decent leverage play last week off all the other cheap tight ends. So maybe don't listen to me when it comes to Miami, but yeah, I mean, he's a talented kid. He was productive in college. I, I think that another preseason guy that seemed to show a little bit of chemistry uh, with the, the quarterback there. So yeah, I mean, it gets really thin fast um, when we get kind of all the way down there. I think that there's going to be some guys that are, are popular for a little bit more expensive, which always makes me want to kind of go different in lineup construction. Uh, but yeah, I guess I wasn't considering originally Nelson Aguilar at 3,600. I could see him gaining some traction throughout the week. Well, for me, it's going to be Devin Smith. That's the shot I'm going to take just because of the big playability that it, you know he connects twice on deep passes, which is entirely viable against the Miami Dolphins, especially if Xavier Howard decides to chase Amari Cooper around the field, which I do believe is going to happen. And it's he's not in a position where he's Zeke, where they're just going to pull him from the game. They want to get Devin Smith more reps here. Uh, so I can see them taking a few shots. So that's going to be my guy from the 3K range. And one of the Eagles guys will probably end up making it too, because you know, we talked about all these $6,000 receivers that we like and some of the guys in the $5,000 range. But all the running backs that we talked about were super expensive. Too. We have to take a chance on someone. These are the sorts of guys I'd rather take the chance on than the cheapo running back. Any uh, Demir Bird love at 3K all the way down there? I mean, he's seeing a decent target share. His price hasn't moved because like, apparently DraftKings doesn't care, but seven targets in back-to-back weeks. And a, for an offense that at least we know is going to run plays, uh, I mean, I think he's fine. I mean, it's also a revenge game against the Panthers. Oh, there you go. But I mean, that, that's that's something that doesn't make it to my spreadsheet, but somehow I should figure out a way to add it. You should. Maybe Demir Bird, Coco Beware, the Birdman. Yeah. And is he returning kickoffs for them and punts for them? I can't remember. I should know he that, but I don't. He, he used to like, uh, we. I played him last year in one spot, like when the Panthers were just god awful and everyone was hurt. I think he had a return touchdown. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, double dip there. Yeah, well, I didn't play the Panthers defense with him, but, you know. Uh, so, yeah, Demir Bird, yeah, if you're going to play the 3,000, I think he's the target share, at least the volume was there for him last week. But I don't know, like, ha- have you seen a line yet? Because when we did the spread show, uh, the line was just off the board, and I hadn't seen anything as of this morning. Are you seeing a line in that game? It uh, looks like Carolina minus two and a half that I'm seeing. That, um, that, 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 that is an old spread. It's off the board everywhere now. There you go. Okay, so uh, my spreadsheet's out of date, so apparently everything I just said, we should probably start over. Yeah, no, we don't need to do that. Uh, But yeah, Demir Bird, if you're going to go down, I like Devin Smith, and I'll probably go with Arcega Whiteside. 
that's probably going to be my my go-to if smith for sure and then if i end up making more lineups i'll splice those two guys and try to play some stars and scrubs options here get ready to enter the ring DraftKings and showtime boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before introducing the showtime boxing pick'em game for every 2019 showdown boxing event you can come out swinging each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime boxing swag bag. Head to DraftKings.com Showtime to play against this Friday's main event featuring Michael Dutchover versus Thomas Matisse in a 10-round bout. Uh, quarterbacks. What do yes. we do? Everyone's going to play either Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, right? I, should I just let you take over with the Josh Allen take? Because I, I think that I, I shouldn't be the one to talk about him. I think you can go there. Uh, listen, I love Josh Allen. This I love Josh Allen every single week just because the fantasy upside that comes along with it. I worry about this game for the Bills, though. I think this is the biggest trap game on the board. It could be. I mean, and everyone's kind of on board with yeah. Josh Allen. Just, just doesn't feel completely right. Uh, but 50, his price just doesn't really move regardless. I know there's a ceiling game coming for him I, I think there's a lot of backup quarterbacks that people might go to if they really want to spend down but I, I've been burned by kind of getting away from Lamar Jackson I think you probably have the salary to get up there if you really want to uh, against Kansas City like I think both of those guys will end up being the highest uh, owned for sure um, maybe going back to Deshaun Watson same kind of thing with Will Fuller if, if everyone I mean Lamar Jackson is 600 more than Deshaun Watson now I, I didn't think I would see that so early in the season so I, I think that he Kind of stands out to me quite a bit. Um, quarterback is one of those ones where you probably don't have to worry a ton about ownership anyway. I could see Carson Wentz kind of gaining a little bit of traction at 5,600. Um, I think there's a lot of guys in kind of that mid 5K range that, that you can make a case for. I don't really have a lot of interest in paying down for any of these backups, but I'm not sure how you feel about those guys. I, I don't. That's not something that I, unless it's like a, I guess, who would it be who would come in? Like, what do what what can you tell me re, really? Because I I mean I don't study college tape or anything like that. Like what does Kyle Allen do? Does Kyle Allen run around? I I don't have him projected for like any rushing yards whatsoever. Um, but I think he's probably just in that mid tier of that. I I am I guess a little bit interested if I had to go somewhere. Um, I think that you could probably go to Daniel Jones, get someone that at least balled out in the preseason. Um, maybe they'll kind of catch fire in that offense, just knowing that that Eli's not there. Maybe gets everyone's a little bit excited because of that alone. Um, so I think he would probably be the guy if I wanted to mess around in that range, but I, I'm not actively trying to get to any of those guys, at least right now, when I can get to someone like Josh Allen, like 5k range, like I think that Carson Wentz at 5,600 is going to be one of those values that's really popping pretty much across the board. The the two plays to make, and you can almost do a team stack with them, and I'd probably leave Godwin off of it, but I think Jameis is in a really nice spot against the Giants. No one wants to play him because he looks terrible, but you stack him up with O.J. Howard and Evans, two guys that we know have game-breaking potential who've been abysmal through two weeks, that this is the game that they break out, and Jameis has a good game once every four games. That happens that this is a perfect spot for that to go. I love the call with going OJ Howard and Evans with him, leaving Godwin off. I, I love the the fact that a couple of years ago when Doug Baldwin was super popular, the guy that won the millionaire maker went with a Seattle stack, but then left Doug Baldwin off the stack because um, he ended up being one of the more popular ones. I think that Winston in this matchup, I mean, he's a home favorite. I mean, when it comes down to it, just coming in like super simple in that way. I think that their team total is, is definitely in the range of someone you'd want to target at quarterback. His average intended air yards very solid yards per attempt, all those things. Like Winston didn't just completely forget how to be at least a good fantasy quarterback, right? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at too. Like 
if you can find the money to get up to Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, I say do it because those guys just bake in their 30 points potentially more and we'll be on our way. But I would rather have that $1,500 to spend at another position. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I guess I, I never quite make it there with Russell Wilson and, and Aaron Rodgers. But I mean, if you're just looking at purely at guys that have at least a little bit of rushing ability, they are home favorites as well. Um, I'm not I'm not I don't ever really make it to those guys. Typically, uh, at least Russell Wilson, you're going to get some decent efficiency from which is super important at quarterback. But I, I'm pretty locked in on either kind of paying down to that Josh Allen range or just going all the way up to to Lamar Jackson right now. If you want to pivot off of Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes for a cheaper price, I do think that Dak Prescott is probably like per point the best dollar value on the board based on this matchup at 6,500. So I'd probably rate him as my number one guy per dollar. And then I would say Jameis is number two and then Josh Allen number three is the way that I would go for it. But the safety that comes along with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, I don't think is touched by those three guys. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a weird spot too because we see such a large distribution in price for some of these other positions. But like quarterback, it's it's really easy to get up to some of these guys that have a higher ceiling, and at least we can bake them in for a considerably better floor than some of these other guys as well. I love the Dak call because he's probably um, a little bit overpriced relative, but I mean, I, I get it. Like, I mean, against Miami, I'm always kind of scared off of these giant spreads, which can burn me in the the Tom Brady type of games here and there. But I. I typically don't play those super large spreads, but we could see um, Dallas really getting up and Dak throwing a couple touchdowns, especially if you find kind of a, a cheaper correlation play like you talked about before. Yeah, well, if you, especially like if you go Dak and Devin Smith, and that's just the the piece of the Dallas offense that you want to play, that could pay huge dividends really quickly. And then you still get the piece of if he throws to Jarwin or Witten, and like you don't want to play those guys because there's no actual market for them and market share for them. But if they pop with two catches for 16 yards and a touchdown, at least Dak gets you those points along with it. I think that's the best way to approach these kind of target share situations where we're not quite sure what's going to happen. You go with the guy you think has the most upside going into a specific role change at wide receiver. And then you just kind of hope that Dak ends up throwing a bunch of no-name touchdowns the rest of the way and that your wide receiver still gets there as far as his value. And then you have all the salary in the world to pay up at running back and around those guys. The only other one that I'd throw out there, and I don't know if I'm going to end up using him or not, but I'm intrigued because I keep harping on how shitty Philly's pass defense is, is Matt Stafford. Why not? They suck at running the ball. They just cut CJ Anderson. I don't think that Ty Johnson is the answer. Obviously, carry on Johnson's not the guy either that like he's right below. He's sandwiched in between Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston. I think Wentz will be incredibly popular. Uh, maybe not with the injuries. I don't know, but I think people will like to play him as a home favorite and he looked good in the second half and he'll just put up fantasy points. He will be scared off of Jameis, but there'll be enough suckers like me who would just believe that he's going to have one of these big games. Legit. No one's going to play Matt Stafford. Yeah. And and, I, and what's the leverage really worth at that point? Right. Cause what the highest owned quarterback is going to be what 15, 20% owned, maybe like, yeah. can you get Stafford at 5%? Like, I just, I don't really love getting the leverage with the guy that's not going to have any any equity on the ground whatsoever, low team total on the road. Like I'm, I'm with you. Maybe that's from a season long perspective. If you really had to plug a hole, but for DFS, he's not someone that I'm super interested in tight ends. Uh, this is a spot where if you saved your money at the other positions, you might want to pay up or you just take the guys near the bottom. I suppose like the best value at tight end, like you have, you have Kelsey, you have Ertz, you have Kittle, uh, Ingram and Andrews have moved up into that upper tier. Their pricing has gone far up uh i'd even throw darren waller into that mix and i think darren waller is actually the guy just because he's the cheapest forty one hundred dollars 
yeah, he's going to be popping from a value perspective for sure. I, I, I guess hate the, I hate playing people against Minnesota because all they're going to do is run, which just like from my perspective is just like less plays. More like every time they run the ball, there's just going to be less plays and less plays. So I, one thing that I really value at the tight end position is a high team total, just because we know that these guys are not going to see the target share, at least most of them that we'll get from wide receivers. So you really need touchdowns to really skew your week, have that ceiling week. So I, I'm super interested in Zach Gertz and George Kittle because paying all the way up at tight end or paying all the way down this little, this mid range, I, I think can get you into trouble. Like in like as a kind of more granular, like widespread um, perspective for tight end. So I, I typically will pay all the way up or try and pay all the way down. This is a position where you'll usually get a pretty big difference in, in, uh, in ownership as well. So um, last week when we just had those, those tight ends that were super good, uh, like kind of values at like the the three three to five like the 4k range or so this week I don't know if it's so much popping like that so far for me um, so I'll probably end up trying to figure in ways to get in George Kittle's the guy that I think that I'm going to prioritize yeah and people talk about his snaps here but so much of that last week was just based on the fact they were up by so much like hey why risk having George Kittle on the field that makes no sense and smart move by Kyle Shanahan to take him off the field didn't impact their win equity whatsoever uh, this game I think is going to be a bit more competitive against the Steelers which we'll get we'll get to Vance McDonald in a second clearly just looking at the slate looking at the prices next to them the two best plays overall Kelsey despite the fact that he's $1,500 more than every other tight end just he's great I'd rather have Sammy Watkins this week so unless you're playing in a full-out game stack or chief stack he's probably going to go by the wayside for me and then Mark Andrews is just a really good price at $6,400 and a fantastic matchup he's been great through two weeks but I don't know. I, I I think I would rather pivot down to Vance McDonald or pivot up to Evan Ingram and just pray this is the week where Mark Andrews doesn't get the red zone look and then we get a situation where Hayden Hurst catches a touchdown or Boyle catches a touchdown. He just gets... If you can keep him out of the end zone, I don't think he's going to be worth the 25% ownership that he's going to have. Yeah, like at some point, it's got to come to a head, right? As far as his ownership and his value, like 4,600... His yards per route run actually is leading the entire slate, which seems crazy to me. But um, so he's a guy that, I mean, he looks great through two weeks. If you look at any of the kind of short-term data that we have available, I, I just think that it might get out of control at some point, which with how owned he is, I, I'm with you that kind of, uh, kind of pivoting. It seems like it would be a week to do that. Waller uh, 500 cheaper seems like a decent pivot option. I mean, I've seen actually some love uh, for Greg Olson this week because he's 3,700. I mean, if we're going to have another quarterback come in, maybe he leans on the tight end a little bit more. It is Arizona, right? Arizona, I guess, gets shredded by pretty much everyone, right? So the tight end position, I think, would be a decent way to get access uh, to that game at 3,700. I think he's pretty interesting. I can see that. Uh, I don't know if I would have the full faith that Greg Olson, out of all the guys in the $3,000 range, I guess it's him and Will Disley are the two that I think people will gravitate towards. And I think I understand that. This could be a really nice rebound week for TJ Hawkinson. After no one was on him week one, everyone was on him week two and he sucked. It might be a nice time to go back. We've seen his big play potential. Uh, and again, the, the defense, especially the pass defense for the Eagles, not good. So as long as they're not asking him to block the entire time, which with a banged up defensive line, maybe they won't be, that I think that he would be my preferred play in the $3,000 area. But I really do think that if I'm not just going to say, you know what, $4,100 is a good price for Darren Waller. Tyrell Williams is banged up. We have Josh Jacobs banged up. The entire offense might just run through him and Ryan Grant, and I'll take him over Ryan Grant. That I think that Ingram is my guy or Vance McDonald is my guy. Like I mentioned O.J. Howard earlier, but unless I'm playing 
a game stack or a team stack with Tampa, he's not finding my lineups. Yeah, that that's I was looking at the OJ Howard versus Greg Olson sort of thing, but it's it's it sucks for me because I, I guess I have a hard time um, getting away from someone that's he, I mean, Greg Olson's ran the the third most routes, like only Evan Ingram and Ertz have ran more routes at the tight end position that's on this slate. So that's, that stands out to me. OJ Howard's ran about half the routes that Greg Olson has at basically the same price. Uh, so yeah, I think that um, OJ Howard makes a ton of sense from a leverage perspective. The team total is nice. They're a home favorite. Like I love all of that. Um, I think that I agree with you that Darren Waller is probably, if you can find the extra 300, that that's the play that probably makes the most sense in that range. But is there anyone else like even further down that we can go to? Like, I'm actually really struggling this week to find like super cheap guys that are even in play. Like Jack Doyle at 3000 is always going to be in play once every six weeks. Yeah. Guess, I mean, good luck finding the week it's going to be. He's not someone that was on on my radar, but I think that, yeah, if you're just looking purely from a projected kind of uh, raw points perspective, like he, he stands out as a guy that's probably underpriced. Yeah, like Matt Lacoste, the Lacoste toot, 2,700 bucks. Like the Patriots are going to score points. Maybe he just randomly stumbles into a touchdown. Who knows? Like that's not the game that I want to play at tight end though. So I think it's going to be Ingram Waller Hawkinson for me and try to narrow it down from there, depending on how much salary I have left over. And I think that Vance McDonald was the big wild card in this because Mason Rudolph loved throwing him the ball last week. And now he gets to play his old team revenge. I'm just going all in on revenge narratives. (laughs) I love that. I think that I prefer Kittle in that game, obviously, but I guess I'm more curious, like what's your thoughts on Kittle versus Zach Ertz this week? They're basically the same price. Both of them are home favorites. Like I think that they're both going to draw a decent amount of ownership. I, I think I prefer Kittle. I guess the snaps are a little bit concerning, but someone that can actually break the slate wide open. I think both of those guys are are ones that, especially with Kelsey all the way at 7,100, those would be the ones that I'm probably zoned in on. I think if you're looking for the safe 15 points from this position, the answer is always Zach Ertz. But if mm-hmm. we're talking about, like you mentioned, breaking this slate and trying to win a GPP, it's always 100% Kittle over Ertz in that situation. 100%. With all things being equal now, if like 38% of people are using George Kittle and 1% are using Zach Ertz, you know, I'd roll the dice on Ertz that this is going to be the game. But if you say same price, similar ownership, people are probably going to be more on Ertz because of the injuries to the Philadelphia offense. And if we think that Carson Wentz is going to be somewhat popular, then Ertz is going to carry ownership along with that as he is the logical guy to stack along with him. Uh, that Kittle would just be my preferred play there. But I just... Who is Daniel Jones throwing to besides Evan Ingram exactly? Yeah, that that's the thing. I talked about the, those Giants wide receivers. I was trying to figure out which one was like maybe in play at the, like basically the stone minimum price. But yeah, I think the right answer was probably just play Evan Ingram and just ignore those other guys. Yeah, the the fade on Mark Andrews at forty six hundred dollars, great price, great matchup, great play is going to be something I have to stomach this week, and hopefully it works out. Yeah, I did, I did it last week. Uh, it was one of my last second pivots, and it, it didn't work out. So I'm hoping for a better fate for you, Pat. Yeah, well, let's see, see if we can do it this time around. Defenses. The Cowboys and Patriots, $4,300 and $3,800. Can you justify spending that much on a defense? Yeah, I think there's there's definitely, as we saw last week, the whole paying up to be contrarian thing, uh, especially with some of these uh, really these games that might get out of hand quickly. But, 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 now, but now that that worked last week, I feel like it's not going to be contrarian to pay up now. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, people get, like, get kind of zoned into what just happened. So, yeah, you could easily see some of these guys end up being extremely popular at the top end, and then it just becomes 
uh, a better spot just to pay down, which we normally want to do anyway, right? Like we have uh, a couple of these teams that um, are at least slight favorites that are pretty cheap. Like Carolina is a, I guess they're, I, I guess you said that's off the board. I still see minus two and a half at what I'm looking at, uh, but they're 2,700 at Arizona because trying to target Kyler Murray, who at least he hasn't been rushing a ton, but I think he's a guy that would take some sacks and eventually make some mistakes. Um, I, I think that that's an interesting one at the cheaper end. Um, I guess you, you've talked about Detroit a bit. If we really want to leverage off this Philadelphia ownership, they're only 2,200. Um, so I, I think that they're one that I would look at. But at the top end, I think a ton of people are going to go there after what just happened. No one wants to miss out on the Patriots game last week that you had to have. So Yeah, you had to have it or you weren't going to win the money. And Dallas is probably best positioned to do that, which actually could hurt the bottom line if they start returning touchdowns of the Dax and Zeeks and Coopers of the world. Because that's what we saw at the end of the Patriots game. The Patriots guys just stopped accumulating fantasy points because the defense just started scoring over and over and over the Detroit call is somewhat interesting I'm looking at football outsiders right now and just adjusted sack rate through two weeks the teams that are giving up the most sacks per drop back Cincinnati Miami Kansas City Washington Seattle uh, and Atlanta Seattle's interesting like the Saints D is only 2200 bucks and we know they can get to the passer it's just how often is Seattle going to be passing I guess is the question yeah, that, that's that's probably the issue, right? Because we, we need pass attempts on the other side. Like, that's one of the most important things. Like, I, I don't really care a whole lot about targeting a team that's going to score points. Like, that doesn't affect you really at all at defense. So um, I want pass attempts. I want teams or quarterbacks that, that take a lot of sacks that will make mistakes. Um, I think that that's got to be your number one every single week. But these, these massive spreads are just going to be really hard to get away from up there. Um, Dallas, I, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to end up being the chalk until we see something different from Miami. Uh, so yeah, at that price, I think that Dallas is something we're going to have to consider, but it's a great position to try and get different. Uh, New Orleans is actually number one in adjusted sack rate for defensive line so far. So that's the number one matchup versus a bottom five team that if the Saints can just play this game close, maybe you do see more dropbacks from Russell Wilson in that spot. So I I do find that somewhat interesting. Uh, The big one that I want to go with, I know we've talked about Josh Allen this entire show, but the Bengals at 2,400 bucks. Josh Allen likes to turn it over. He does. I actually think that both defenses in that game are at least in play because if we're just looking at teams that throw the ball a lot, Cincinnati, 75%, they're leading the league in in pass play percentage this year. Uh, So I think that both of those are interesting. I guess I'm a little bit um, kind of, I guess maybe I'm a little bit higher on the the Buffalo and uh, Josh Allen train than you are right now, Pat, which is crazy. It, it is like uh, I actually one of the two bets that I've made so far this week, I actually bet the over in that game because I do think the defenses get involved. We have two turnover prone quarterbacks, a bad offensive line for the Bengals. Like it just I don't know where the scoring is necessarily going to come from in that game. It just feels like it's going to be a shit show. Yeah, it could easily be. I think that if you're trying to project that game, it might be one of the tougher ones to do, which, yeah, might lead itself uh, to the defense. I, I guess another kind of. um kind of tip in the the hat for for Detroit is, is that I think that that game has a chance to uh, really be popular on the Philly side, like the more I look into this. So like, I'm almost always trying to at least take a look like that's why San Francisco ended up being such a great play in week one, because part of the reason is because of the offensive line, defensive line stuff that we always talk about, but just because of how popular Tampa Bay was, like that's how you get to the top is, is trying to figure out where that shock's going to be and how you can take advantage if they fail. The one thing about Detroit is they, they do not do a good job of getting to the passer. Like they're, they're basically built to be a run defense or drop into coverage and just not blitz the entire time. Like they're right now they're 
24th in adjusted sack rate from the defensive line. The one that I would go to, who also have not been all that great this year, but I just don't understand their price at all. Like, they're, they're home favorites against a team that can't block. Like, why isn't everyone just using the Chargers? Uh, yeah, that, that's a good that's a good point. Like, I guess that you can make an argument that they've been average as far as pressure so far this year. Um, we're just talking about adjusted sack rate. They're kind of right in the middle, smack dab. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of defensive plays that make some sense this week. And what makes sense from that perspective is we know that that Watson is going to be under siege like he is every week, right? So those are the kind of guys that we want to target, guys that aren't scared to push the ball down the field, but also will take sacks. Yeah, so for me, I guess what I'm going to end up looking, you know the Giants have actually, or sorry, that that is not true. The Giants are sixth in overall pass protection so far this year. Oh, gee. Yeah, someone someone actually mentioned that in favor of uh, kind of maybe if, if Eli's not in anymore, maybe that he was like the big problem, right? And that we're getting a pretty big discount. Um, if we were to kind of go with the rookie this week. So, yeah, I, I could see them maybe having uh, him having a decent amount of time back there. And, and then he ends up being the guy that uh, we should have been paying down for in, in Daniel Jones. Like, I, I again, I have to get preseason out of my head sometimes because <laughs> he looked so good in the preseason that uh, I think that he might be a trap at 5K, but he could easily just sit back there all day and, and uh, just kind of dismantle his Tampa Bay defense that hasn't been great. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the run defense has been good so far. Maybe Bulls has really coached them up. I'm not playing Daniel Jones. That's just not happening. I mean, like, the other thing that I bet this week was Tampa minus six and a half. I just think they're going to blow them out of the water because the Giants suck, and they're not even at full strength at this point. Um, but if you had to pick one between Dallas and New England, which way do you think you would go? I think it's Dallas. I, I think that they're they're so talented at defense. I think a lot of people don't realize that from a real defense perspective, that they could easily be one of the better uh, talent defenses in the entire league, top to bottom. Um, so I'm I'm going to bet on that. But I think the when in doubt at this point is kind of bet on Miami being bad um, until they show us otherwise, and then you'll probably be okay at DFS. So if you had to go to the bottom, so you like Detroit, would you go the Chargers, Bengals, or Lions? I would go Chargers, Bengals, then Lions. That's the way that I would rank them. Yep, I think that I would probably have the Bengals uh, if you're taking into consideration price. Um, I think that I probably would have them ahead of the chargers. I guess they're, they're only a, a slight difference in price there, but I, th I think targeting Josh Allen, if you're on the other side of things, like he's a guy that, that will make mistakes, like you said, um, but isn't scared to throw. Um, so yeah, I think Cincinnati, these cheaper defenses, it's all about who you think is going to get pressure. Right. So I actually think that that Carolina for a little bit more would be my preference um, against Kyler Murray. We know that Arizona is going to throw a lot. The pass attempts and the play volume will be there. Um, so I think that I probably prefer Carolina um, to paying all the way down for those other options, regardless. All right, that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Joe Holka, tell everyone where they can watch your videos, listen to you, and you do the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast every week too. Yeah, check out my YouTube channel. That's where the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast video goes up every Friday. Uh, every Saturday, actually, I'm releasing my top five picks at every position. That's only going to be on Instagram. Pat, what do you know about Instagram, man? I know you're trying to build that up as well. Yeah, I'm trying to do giveaways for that. I'm releasing prop bets on there. Maybe I'll start doing some Instagram live chats as well. I'm still trying to figure it all out. Like, I I really just spent all my time over the past 10 years getting, like, decent at Twitter that it's I'm, I'm leaning into Instagram a little bit more but I had it for so long just as a personal thing not like a public thing uh that now that I've made that switch I mean I don't think I'm a I don't think people are really just interested in seeing pictures of my kid all the time 
Yeah, I've continually been bad on Twitter. So I figured I would find another lane. And I think Instagram is an an interesting platform. So yeah, just search Joe Holka, Instagram, YouTube, you'll find me. Those are probably where most of my content is these days. All right. I want to let everyone know to play in the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. The link is in the description of this video and podcast. Break free. You might as well do it if you're going to play the week three slate. The cheat sheet for the show will be up on DK Playbook on Friday and get into all the $20 DK giveaways. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.